All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of their day. Fern here with, uh, this is your third time on the show? Third time? The the, I, think you're, I think you're the only third time uh, uh, person, Dr. Sean Pastuch. Um, we were just rapping before we hit record, and I was like, no, we should just get all this in the recording. So. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm I know you're a busy to, man. Uh, Go ahead. I'm excited to finally talk to the, uh, the tall and handsome version of the show listen i mean talking to the short caveman i get it like i yeah this is it took you three episodes to get upgraded so i apologize it's all good um but we were uh, i think there's some interesting things and i think i think jay actually wanted us to talk because he thought we were going to disagree i I actually think we're in alignment a lot more things uh than he thinks um well i I think i think even when you just like republicans and democrats Oh God! Right, we're there, everybody. They, we're thirty seconds in. Yeah, yeah. But even <laughs> even they agree on like ninety-seven percent of things. I would agree. It's that they so aggressively disagree on three percent that they can't even find the common ground to to like each other. I, I feel the same way about people. Most people in the nutrition world. Sure. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but so I, I did want to talk a little bit about. So gyms are starting to reopen, right? So everybody's trying to figure out like, okay, A, what does that even look like? Do I resume life as normal or am I going to shift my business? And I think we're seeing a lot of, of the last two, which is like, I'm going to go back to normal. And then a lot of people are trying to make this pivot to what, what I actually consider to be no man's land. I think a lot of people are pivoting to nowhere. And I think there's going to be some massive fallout from that over time. <laughs> yeah. Putting tape on your floor is not pivoting your business. No, that's just being organized. <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Jason. And I would start by saying this. You know, it's easy for me to sit here in my office and talk to you in your office about what the man in the arena should do in their gym when I'm no longer the man in the arena who owns the gym. Mm-hmm. And I recognize the disconnect between people's belief that I understand what they might be going through and what they're going through. What I think needs to be said is that I sat in that seat. I was in that arena for a a decade almost. And I did it through getting sued by my next door neighbor, through a natural disaster that literally wiped my town out, including my gym, my home, my clinic, everything. I've been in that seat and now I work with gym owners from around the world and coaches from around the world who are going through it. So I'm getting, you know, day by day, minute by minute, live updates as to what's real. And a lot of what I talk about generally, especially on shows like like yours, I get a lot of both types of messages afterwards. That was awesome. Thank you. And then fuck you. You hate CrossFit. Go away. I'm like, okay, the latter of those messages always strikes me like the protester signs that say America, love it or leave it. And for me, I'm like, no, I love my wife. And so when she does something that I don't like, I talk to her about it. We, we, we try to solve it and make it better. And when I do something that she doesn't like, I expect her to come and talk to me and make it better. If we can't talk about things that need to be done better, how much do we really love something versus the idea of that thing? I mean, that's a life lesson right there. I mean, this is what people struggle with in the level two settings, like getting feedback for the first time and being told that was not very good. Here's how we can fix that. And most there, I mean, I've physically seen people have a mental breakdown over that. I believe it. You know, just crying. And it, and it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't delivered in, in me. They're just like, they've never been told that that was not up to par. And I think the same thing is true for a lot of gyms. Right. And that's, Mm -hmm. and when I say all of these things, I'm saying them because I've been that guy. I've made every mistake under the sun. My 10th year as an affiliate was probably filled with the biggest mistakes I've made in a decade. Right. So you're making the biggest decisions at that point. 100%. They were, they cost the most, they were the most detrimental to everything that I do. So I'm not throwing stones. I mean, I still live in, in my house, right? Like I still live in my gym and operate it. So I'm not saying that because because I, I'm trying to talk down to people. I'm saying that because if I'm making those mistakes leaning forward, so a lot of other people, and I'm just saying like, you should recognize that those mistakes are coming. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely coming. And, and 
what I find in business is the bigger the problem, the more valuable the solution. Correct. And, and what that means is like, wait a minute, we're losing 10 members a month. Oh, that's a big problem. You have a choice, you know, spend a ton of money to try to gain 11 mm-hmm. and chase the churn or solve the 10 problem, gain two and crush. That's a big yeah. problem. But if you solve it, it, it could change your business fundamentally in a month. So that actually brings up a good question. So I think more and more people are getting hip to the idea that acquisition, while important, is not nearly as important if I'm in a a niche market or a boutique gym as retention. Can I give a really simple breakdown for that? Please do. I, I hear from coaches all the time. Wait a minute. Every member that we add now is just straight profit. No. Well. As long as you're keeping 100%. (laughs) Even if you're keeping 100%, if you paid to get that person, it's not straight profit. So here's the thing that uh, an equation everybody can do. Take the total gross income that the gym made from memberships only. Let's not talk about anything else, personal training. Just your core offering. Yep. Yeah. And divide that by the number of members who you have. That's the average number that each person is paying you per month. Mm -hmm. Now, Look at your bank account and say, how much money did we spend last month? Total. Not including, again, personal training sessions and supplement purchases and whatever. The number that's left over is your net revenue. Divide that number by the number of people who you have. And that is your net revenue per member per month. The rest of the money is cost. So if you you make $2,000 of profit per month, you have 100 members. Your net revenue is $20 per month per member. If your customer acquisition cost, which is what it costs you to acquire a member, mm-hmm. is $50. And we can talk for days about how to figure out that cost. Yeah. The simple math is if you threw a party that cost you $500 and 10 people joined from it, your member acquisition cost for each person was $50. 500 divided by 10. Yep. 50. That means that it takes you two and a half months to make back the $50 that it costs you to get that person. So if members don't stay past the third month, you just broke even on them. And now on top of that, if you lose a member, you need to replace them with a member and add the acquisition cost. So it takes you two and a half months to replace every single member that you lose with the math that we just went over. Mm Does that make sense? Was that simple? No, no, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. And I think, so let me ask you, this is, I always find this to be an interesting uh, kind of scenario. Were you always like this about the numbers in your business or was there an event or was there a realization? I I mean, I know what mine was when when you said, Hey, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Like I I need to get better at this. Yeah. At the time when this happened, I owned two gyms. One of them was failing. One of them was doing fine. Wasn't doing well. I owned a chiropractic clinic and I owned an event that a CrossFit style fitness Mm -hmm. competition event that put about 1200 people at the event. Okay. That's a lot of people working out at the same time. Yes. Now all in, I was making about $30,000 a year. I was working about 17 hours. No. (laughs) I was working about 17 hours a day, Monday through Friday. Okay. And I was working 12 hours on Saturday. And on Sunday, I was just lamenting the fact that I didn't get anything done all week. <laughs> then we did a competition, our, you know, our, the last one that I was a part of, and we lost $26,000 despite having like a thousand athletes or whatever it was at the event. And I realized that I was not growing that event in a profitable way. Despite a thousand people showing up, we'd lost 26 grand. What the fuck? So, and I was working 17 hour days. I said to my wife, you know, I cried in the kitchen, told her the truth. I'm like, honestly, I don't feel like the man of the house. I don't feel like a man at all. I bust my ass. I know I'm good at what I do, but I can't make any money. And I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the people but I need to make some money. I need to 
live. And, you know, she supported me in that time, which was huge. Like she told me, she hugged me and she's like, it's okay. I know, I know who I married and you'll, you'll figure it out. And that was the moment that I was like, no, no, I'm going to fucking figure it out now. I'm tired of this. So I looked at all the things that don't make me money and don't bring me joy. And I got rid of them. And then I looked at the things that don't make me money, but do bring me joy. And I looked at, okay, well, which of these can I keep? Because I can't just be a hobbyist yeah. forever. And then I looked at what things bring me value and bring me joy. And I went all in on them. And then this is something I think a lot of gym owners experience is I got really, really, really good, really, really, really good at coaching classes and really, really good at coaching, uh, treating patients to the point that patients were flying into my clinic from Spain, from Finland, from California. I'm in New York, flying in for an appointment, end up working with 40 CrossFit Games athletes between myself and my partner, uh, you know, four champions, Olympic medalists. And I hated it. I stopped enjoying it. It became something that I was excellent at, but something that I was no longer passionate about. What, did, what didn't you like about it? Because it sounds amazing. I'm sure somebody's listening to this. They're like, how the fuck do you not like that? Yeah, it was, it was repetitive. It, it was no longer the greatest expression of my ability. Got it. You know, it was, it was okay, I can coach a, cra- a class really well. I can coach a one-on-one client. I've been doing it for, you know, at this point, 12 years. I can coach a client really well. I can treat a patient really well and really fast. What's next? I kind of felt stuck. Like that was the end of it. And I had a staff member ask me yesterday, or was it this morning? No, it was last, it was last night. He's like, I, one of my greatest fears, he said, was I will get what I'm chasing and I won't feel like it's enough. He's like, how did you come to terms with that? And I was like, oh, I got what I was chasing and it wasn't enough. And then I got what I was chasing again and it wasn't enough. Then I got what I was chasing again and it wasn't enough. And I realized it will never be enough, but that the it that we should really be talking about is, are you enjoying the process of trying to get the it that you think you're chasing? Yeah. And as long as the answer to that is yes, you're on the right path. I would agree. Yeah. Like, like growing up playing sports, like, uh, you know, I played basketball and, and never won any championships, but I enjoyed every second of it. I enjoyed the chase. I enjoyed all of it. And that's, you know, I, I've frequently described, I've never been more obsessed with anything as much as basketball until I decided that I wanted to run and, and, and try to build a successful business. And now it is the thing. And I enjoy it. Even on the shitty days, I'm like, fuck, I still like this. Like I, I still enjoy it. Like I still want to be good at this. I'm always trying to be better at it. And it's painful, man. Like a lot of it is like the lessons are hard. They hurt. I've got a family now before when I was playing an athlete, it was just me, you know, like I've got, mm-hmm. you know, employees and all that stuff. So the stakes are higher, but I still love it. Like I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. And that's great. You, that's what you want to be doing. Now, when I was working 17-hour days and making $30,000 a year, that's when I ended up hiring my first, not my first, but my first real coach, life business coach. Mm-hmm. I had a standing job offer the whole time to move to Hong Kong and make six, maybe even seven figures in finance on Hong Kong's version of Wall Street. It was a standing offer. So when you talk about needing to make enough money, but not wanting to do it for the money, like I get that. I get that. It's you need to find the happy place that allows you to do what you want to do and make enough money to continue doing it without thought about what do I do? If? I th- yeah. And I think this is where a discussion about money matters, where I'm the same way. Like I don't, I don't want a lot of things. Uh, what I want is freedom. I want freedom to not have to worry about time necessarily or, or money. And, mm-hmm. and the reality is like, you need a certain amount of money to be free of money, right? Or you need to have like adjusted your lifestyle in order to do that. But, uh, and I was this person for many years who just refused to talk about money and have the discussion about like what it meant. Like, what am I using it for? Like, how does it fit into my lifestyle? All these things, which most gym owners 
still have yet to be able to bring those two things into alignment. Be like, I'm not doing this for the money. However, I need to understand that if I want to continue doing this and I want to be good at it and I want to be happy, then I need to make money. And it's not a bad mm-hmm. thing to make money. And it's also not a bad thing to make a lot of money, particularly if so you're I, really damn good at what you do. There's a few things I'd like to jump in on that with. The first one is I didn't make this up. I heard this and I don't remember who I heard it from, but it's, I don't think money is the root of all evil. I think lack of money potentially is. You don't typically see people with a lot of money breaking into other people's houses and looting them. Now you do see people with a lot of money ripping people off and forcing them into the other situation, which is not okay either. Um, but those are, I want to get that out there. What that means to me is that money is neutral. It's what you decide to do with it. The next, it, it kind of amplifies who you are. That's what I was just going to say. It exposes who you are. If you're an asshole, it makes you a larger asshole. If you're an amazing person, it probably makes you more giving. Yeah. And now the next thing to that is we need to define freedom based on what you said, because you might, you still might not be free, Jason, mm-hmm. to fly private. For sure. <laughs> right. So it's, what is, what is, and I'm not either, by the way, that wasn't a knock like, oh, you still got to fly, you know, and <laughs> oh, you don't have a jet. Okay. Airline. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yet. Yet. Yeah. So the, the point of that is define freedom. What does it actually look like for you? And then the next thing to all of that is I believe that despite the fact that 99% of gym owners would say, I'm not in this for the money, they are. All of them are because they could coach people in their garage for free. It's, they've chosen that they love this so much. It's the only thing that they are willing to do for money. That's the difference. It's not, I don't do this for the money. It's no, no, no. The only thing I'm willing to do for money is this. And once you see that, that fundamental switch goes off in your head. And the next thing you need to decide is what is the moral compass of how you're willing to make money? Because for every gym owner who tells me that they're not in it for the money, what are you in it for? The impact, you know, the relationships, helping the members. Great. So what you're telling me then is that none of your members, zero of your members joined a year plus ago to achieve a given goal that you told them, yes, I can help you with. They are no closer to achieving now than they were then. Because if that was the case, you would stop taking their money. Right? Yeah, because you haven't, you haven't delivered. You haven't delivered. You're in it for the impact. What impact have you had? And then a lot of gym owners will tell me, well, you know, that was their goal and they came in and then their goals changed. So yeah, sure. Their goals changed because they resigned to the fact that it's too painful to think about the thing that they really want and know that they're not going to get it here, but socially they enjoy being in the room. And now they've set new goals that are, you know, get a muscle up or get a pull up or do a push up or whatever it is, because that's what you told them was important. That's where I start to have a problem. No, I understand that. And I, th- I just think that's, you know, that's a deep conversation, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's very introspective in nature. Like people have to figure that out for themselves. And, and the freedom conversation is different for everybody. If you, if you surveyed a million people, you're going to get a million different answers on that. And some people are like, I don't want to have to go to work or I want a million dollars or I want 50 bucks or I want out of this job, like whatever, it doesn't matter. Everybody's freedom is different. Define it and then start moving towards that. As long as you're doing, as long, again, it kind of like checks that moral box. Like I feel good about doing this. Like not only am I making money, but like I'm pumped about it because it makes me feel good when I do it. And, and I'm delivering to the person on the other end of this transaction. Like that's the part, Mm -hmm. right? Like you got to check all three boxes. Yeah. And and people should know, I mean, we have like eight, nine, whatever it is. We're up like 800 or 900% since, 2018 when we really started this business full-time okay i haven't taken a raise at all because what i'm trying to do as we grow the company is continue to buy my time Mm -hmm. so could i say you know what screw it i'm just gonna take a raise right now and get paid yes i could but that wouldn't fit the mission and the direction that the gym is going and that the business, excuse me, is trying to go in. We're trying to replace the healthcare system as it pertains to musculoskeletal health. We can't do that without a big staff and without a lot of partners who are clients of ours, gyms yeah. and coaches who want to be a part of that movement. Now, 
if I was just in this for a bunch of money, I stop everything right now. I start cutting myself big checks. We maintain where we're at, maybe grow a little bit, and the world is great. But it's mission-oriented. It's not money-oriented. Money will come because of the mission. Just requires patience and belief in what you're doing. Because if you have belief in what you're doing, patience is actually pretty easy. You're like, I got no we're, problem. We're, re- we're recording this on what? May May 12th? Uh, 14th. May 14th. There you go. COVID, right? Who knows what day of the week it is? I have no I mean, idea what day of the week it is. It's like... Thursday. But so the, the, the point is, right now, people's why are being challenged. Correct. Their why is being challenged in a big way. You know, why did you open the gym? Oh, I just really want to help people. Cool. Then why did you go get that job that doesn't do that? I needed money. So money became more important than helping people. Well, no, but I need money right now. And I exactly. give those people a lot of credit for, you know, acknowledging their, their personal needs right now. When are you going to stop doing that and go back to the gym that doesn't make you money? When does that happen? What is the cap on how long you're going to do this other thing for before you decide this is not in alignment with my faith, my confidence, my beliefs? At what point do you make the change? Because if you don't, if you don't, then you become the zombie American mm-hmm. walking around after money instead of fulfillment. And that's where agree. so many people I think are. I th- and I think that's a good segue because we were talking about this before. You, you think that whenever this is over and who the hell knows what over actually means at this point, like whenever we resume something that looks like our previous lives, you were saying that you don't think the world that we lived in with regard to the gym and fitness is going to be the same. And what is it your, or is there a fear that you have that people will have not recognized in basically this, I don't know what the hell we'll call it. We'll call it you know, I'm in purgatory right now. Where I'm just like sitting in this time that like, I just want to forget about. And then we open up and we go into the next phase. Yeah. There's a few ways to look at this. One of them is you had it really good before, even though you thought it sucked. That's one of them. I hate that one. <laughs> because, because if you were in it before and you didn't like it, it wasn't that you weren't grateful or appreciative of what you had. It's that you weren't doing what you really wanted to do in the way that you really wanted to do it, period. Now that means you weren't paid enough maybe. It means you weren't offering the service that you wanted to offer. It means you weren't doing the job in the business that you work in, whether you own it or not, that you want to do. It doesn't matter which of those factors it is. You weren't happy before. Instead of trying to change your perspective and become happy with the situation that you're in, I call that complacency, recognize that what you had before was broken. Stop trying to rush back to it. And the thing right now that I'll catch a lot of shit for this and I'm fine with it. The thing right now that I'm embarrassed of is people who are just like, you know what? I'm going to open my gym anyway, even though The government is telling me it's not safe. I don't trust the government. So I'm opening my gym. First of all, I also don't trust the government. I'm not here telling you like, oh, listen, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, those two are fucking class acts to follow their lead. That is not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is this disease is killing people who have pre-existing conditions, right? Correct. It's also killing businesses who have pre-existing conditions. Oh, I like that. And what I, what I mean by that is we work with gyms right now from around the world. Almost all of them are at worst flat. Many of them are up since COVID yep. hit. Now, okay. you ask yourself, how are they up since COVID hit? They were dispassionate about what they used to do to make money and service their clients. And they saw the writing on the wall and they pivoted ahead of the need to pivot. We were coaching our gyms on what to do in the the last week of February, which was two and a half, three weeks before most gyms were forced to close. Uh, Meaning now this was preemptive to COVID shutdowns. Okay. Got it. 
get your procedures and this is coming. Yeah, yeah, got on it. On February 26th, we made a post on Instagram on Active Life Don't wait till you have to. Get ready now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, got yes. it. And it's coming. I don't care what your friend Timmy from high school <laughs> says about it. It's coming. So those gyms are up. They're reactivating ex-members. They're upselling existing members. They're adding new members to their gym. This is not the case for all of them. It is the case for the vast majority of them. Mm -hmm. And the ones who it's not the case for, we're like, look, this is, this is good. It's time for you to recognize that building a volume gym was never the thing for you. Mm -hmm. Right? So how do we level down the number of people and level up the level of service? So those gyms are doing well because they took action. You know, the interesting parallel to people being sick before this happens being dangerous for them. And I am, I have people I know who passed away. So I'm not being flippant about that at all. Mm -hmm. You know, no one should have to deal with that. It sucks. It's terrible. We're in a society right now where we know that having pre-existing conditions, being overweight, are reasons that you are more likely to die from a disease that we now know is on our front door. What percent of people who know that have decided in the last two months, you know what, I'm going to take my health into my own hands and I'm going to be less likely to die if I get this thing because over the next two months, I'm going to get healthier. Outside of the bubble that you and I live in, Jason, where people are into fitness, I think it's an overwhelming, not many. I was going to say zero. Right. So now it's easy for people in fitness to look at that and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? You've had two months to not go to work, to get your diet right, to get your exercise right, to shed the weight so that you can live, but you'll throw a mask on so that you're safe? Come on. Come on. You'll go to the Chinese restaurant with your mask? That's going to keep you safe? How about skipping the Chinese restaurant? Nothing against Chinese people. Nothing against Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about like, you know, ordering the fried meal with the heavy sugar sauce and the cornstarch on it. So why don't we look at ourselves the same way? If your business right now is struggling because of the shutdown, you had pre-existing conditions. You weren't prepared to lose members. You weren't prepared to service members who couldn't make it into the gym. How are you going to change your body composition as a business while this is going on so that you can be successful on the backside of it? And that's, that's the only conversation that we're having with the gyms who we work with. I love the fitness analogies because I feel like when you give those, every gym owner, regardless of how they want to look, or how they feel about this conversation, I feel like when you explain it that way, they can't unknow it anymore. Like you can tell me that you don't believe that, but you know it's true. And we were the same. We were kind of like in the middle, like my facility, right? Like, like it's been profitable for years. Uh, we were probably flat at worst during this during this time frame. Um, like somebody asked me today, like how many members you, did you lose? And I was like, like 5% on the high end, maybe like these are people that like lost mm -hmm. their jobs. Um, however, there's been some things about the business that I've been unhappy about for years. Just meaning like I didn't like how we delivered. I thought it was subpar and we got away with a lot of things because we've, we have quite frankly, we have good coaches and there's are some things that we do well. So I looked at this as an opportunity. I'm fixing that shit right now and that's what i've been working on for six weeks nonstop. just i'm at the gym every day all day still putting in 12 hour days because i want that stuff fixed and i know i'm not going to get this time back again right mm -hmm. i'm not going to get i'm not going to get six weeks where i'm not traveling for seminars and i'm not you know coaching classes and having people you know just jamming in the door asking me questions interacting so what am i doing with that and i'm fixing those things that were broken that i already knew were my pre-existing pre-existing con conditions, but I wasn't really sure. Like, I'm like that person's like, well, I don't have time to go to the gym basically. And that was me. I was like, Oh, I don't have mm -hmm. time to, to go and like fix my shit. And I was like, okay, well now I'm forced into it. So I better get it done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, here's my concern. Let's just pretend that you're allowed to open. So you do. Mm -hmm. The assumption that people have, if they're waiting to be allowed, to, like, let me backtrack a second. Cause I just had this conversation with someone in my town yesterday. There's a rally that's going to happen in like five days locally in Nassau County where I live to reopen businesses. Right. 
And they're like, as a local business leader who has, quote, made it, we would love your support to come and explain to the government why everyone needs to open. I was like, very, very cool. Thank you for asking me. I'll be too busy working to come to the fucking rally. I'm sorry. And, and they're like, you're so lucky you have an online business. I'm like, my clients have in-person businesses that are still operational because they've pivoted, they've made changes, they've made moves, they've recognized their problem. You rallying is you waiting for you know, the government to lift circumstances off of you. Stop being a victim and do something. I'm empathetic to the fact that like, what is the dentist supposed to do? I don't know. I'm not a dentist. I don't have answers for the dentist. Yeah. What is the bar supposed to do? I'm not really sure what the bar is supposed to do. What is the barber supposed to do? I gave my barber a bunch of suggestions. I start teaching wives how to cut their husband's hair. Start teaching husbands how to cut their husband's hair, whatever your sexual preference is. I don't care. Run classes. there, there, There are things that could be done. Figure it out. Start delivering products to people's houses and dropping them on the doorstep. Sell gift cards. Whatever. There are things that you could do in whatever business you're in right now to stay viable. Now, the other side of that is my concern is that these people who were waiting for the government to pull circumstances off of them, they had pre-existing conditions that they haven't addressed. They're going to reopen their gym and still be the person who has pre-existing conditions. Right. We look at them as fitness professionals and we're like, that person needs to prioritize. When they prioritize their fitness, then I can help them. Fuck you. They don't know how to prioritize their fitness. It's your job to teach them. They don't know the damage that they're doing. It's your job to educate them. You can't be apathetic to other people's suffering if you really want to say that you're in to help people. Mm -hmm. So now when you reopen your gym, you're going to have the same problems that you had before at best. Because you reopened, you thought that the problem was the government. You reopen, now your member's like, I feel like I'm not ready to come back in yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you're like, all right, no problem. We'll just run classes and at home stuff. Cool. So you've increased costs without changing revenue. Problem yep. number one. Okay, cool. So we're only allowed to have four people per class. We're going to have uh, 20 classes a day. Every 45 minutes, we're going to have a class. Cost. Okay, great. Who's going to coach those classes? What are you going to pay them? Because your revenue didn't change. Okay, um, we're going to, like, those don't solve the problem. Those exacerbate the problem. And my concern is people are waiting for the veil to be lifted and they're like, as soon as, oh my God, I can't let things go back to normal. That's gone. It already wasn't working. It's going to get harder. That's gone. What are you going to do about it now? Yeah, there's people that are sitting around waiting for permission to fix their own problems. Like, because they're confused about what the problems are, I think. And I think, think, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I think part of the problem for that, Jason, is that they have to do some internal work first. You know, there's, there's, they have to know what kind of business they're in. If you own a CrossFit gym or if you coach in a CrossFit gym, you're in a convenience business. You like to think that you're not Zumba. You're Zumba with a higher level of skill. The difference is Zumba needs 40, 50 people to be in a class at 80 to $90 a month in order for that place to be successful. I mean, they need a thousand members for a Zumba studio to really, to really work. You don't need a thousand because you're charging somewhere between a hundred and two hundred. So you need half of what they need or a third of what they need. But most gyms don't have 200 members at $200. Mm-hmm. And my thought is that you can have a nice little business and not have 200 members at $200, but it's going to be very difficult for you to ever work on it completely instead of in it in at least some way. And if that's what you want, I support it. I'm not trying to impress upon you my value, but you have to know what business you're in. And if you're in the convenience business, which means you have classes that are abundantly available for people, you have a price point that is affordable for people. You offer the ability to scale and modify everything that you're doing. So it's good for everybody. If you're saying that you can help anybody with what they need, if they come to you, you are in the convenience business. That's fine but there is a cost of entry to that business and it's member acquisition and member retention skills. And most gym owners don't have them. Either don't know how they work or haven't put the systems in place in order to maximize them. Just like retention is a systems based. Yes. 
metric, right? Like you have to have yeah. things in place to contact Susie and make sure that she comes in and make sure that we highlight what she does and check up on her, make sure she's getting what she needs, all that stuff. And then the other thing, Jason, is if you're running a group model, you have to be aware and honest that your group model will never solve problems for anybody as Correct. fast as an individual solution would. So we need to stop as CrossFit gym owners calling it like personal training without the cost. It's not personal training without the cost. No, it's group personal fitness. training is personal training. Yes, and they've solved different problems. And what I tell people all the time is CrossFit is the best fitness modality I have ever seen to transform people's body composition. No doubt, no question, number one. It doesn't work for everybody. And we need to stop. You can't be forging elite fitness and for everybody at the same time. Not everybody wants elite fitness. And now the next step of that is who do you serve? How do you serve them? Why are you perfect for them? Go get all of them. And when someone tells you they have a problem that doesn't fit what you do, don't take them. Refer them where they need to go. That's that's my soapbox for you. So that's a good question about, so I think everybody understands that concept. And I don't even think anybody would really argue with you. I think where a lot of people, yeah, you'd be surprised. well, yeah, that's probably true. Actually, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised by anything at this point. <laughs> it's COVID. We live in COVID world. I think people don't know what that means and looks like, meaning finding out who I serve, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people are, it's this abstract thing that lives up here in the cloud or wherever. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Meaning like, I want people who like to work out and I'm like, mm, that's <laughs> needs to be a little bit more specific than that. Yeah. So, so here's, here's the first thing. Uh, the way to figure that out is what is your service? What is your product? Is it, group class that we, you know, write for the best and scale for the rest. I'm, I'm not judging you for this. That's perfectly fine. When somebody walks in the door, what you need to be ready to do is explain to them exactly what you do without considering if they're going to like it or not. And then see if they like it or not. Yeah. And if they don't, they're not your avatar. So what I mean by that is if you do, you know, some three class on ramp, right? And then you, and then they can get to the group class. First of all, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll table that. Um, I, I'm generally intrigued right now. <laughs> we'll go there next. If that's what you do, then what happens is people need to know when they come in the door, tell them the truth. We're going to get you general understanding of everything that we do in the gym. Then we're going to put you into a class and over the course of a long period of time, you're going to get better at all of those things. Mm -hmm. And what we do is heavy weightlifting, you know, beginner gymnastics, running some sport. And the idea of this is for you to gain measurable fitness gains over time. We don't go deep into nutrition. We give you very, very general nutrition guidelines. We're not going to guarantee you that you can lose weight because we don't have a process that ensures that. We're not going to guarantee that you gain muscle because we don't have a process that ensures that. We are going to guarantee that we will give you a great workout every day that you come into the gym and that you will get great coaching to keep you as safe as we know how to keep you every day that you come into the gym. Would you like to join this gym? Well, I think that's a shitty pitch. <laughs> it is a shitty pitch because it's not a sales pitch. It's honest, right? It, it, it's honest. The, the average gym is doing some version of a just get through this on-ramp, if at all. Yeah. And then they're jumping into a group class that writes for their best and scales for the rest. Mm -hmm. And then, if, you know, they're giving some nutrition coaching, some general, you know, fruit, nuts, greens, whatever. Yep. Um, they're doing, that was a terrible rendition of the nutrition talk. I apologize. That's I okay. The hell out of that and <laughs> did a bad job, but they're We've not. We've said it enough not, on the show that people know it. <laughs> yeah. They're not doing anything specific. And so they can't guarantee results for anybody. That's not the gym's fault. 
the person coming to a CrossFit gym who is going to get results needs to be self-motivated, needs to look for some services elsewhere unless the gym offers them. Then they should tell the people, we also offer nutrition coaching. It is an additional cost. And we recommend that you do it. If your goal is to lose weight, we won't take you unless you enroll in the program that includes nutrition because we can't solve your problem if you don't. Yeah. So simple I, I think people to- struggle being that direct about their services. Right? Like, and, I've been, and I've been there, right? Like I've been that guy. I'm like, ah, should I sell them nutrition services? When this person came in, they're like, I want to lose this right here, like grabbing their belly. And I'm like, that's nutrition. It has jack shit to do with working out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I understand that. It, it takes some self-awareness. And the reason that people do that, in my opinion, Jason, is because they don't know where their next member is going to come from. So they that. are afraid of having the person sitting across from them say no. I bet you, I don't have statistics on this. I would imagine that most gym owners, when a member comes to their gym as a prospect, they're not going to that meeting with the mindset of, let's see if this person's a fit. They're going to that meeting with, I hope this person joins. And oh, yeah. I mean, I was there for years. I mean, for a so really I. long time, probably not probably like just got there away from that maybe like two or three years ago where I'm like, you know, if somebody comes in there like, hey, I'm, I'm not willing to pay that. I'm like, that's great. The guy down the street is more than happy to take your money. Like, yep. That's totally yep. fine. I don't care. Well, I was the same way. And, and now we still turn away 35% of people who want to work with us one on one. And we turn away about 50% of gyms and coaches when you combine them. That's a lot of money that we're leaving on the table because we don't think we can help those people. We just hired a new sales member for our team who we helped, we're helping to sell his gym and join us as a sales leader. We're putting him through the process and it's, it's a little bit slower than we would like mm-hmm. because he's naturally very good at sales and we want him to do it a very specific way. And he's like, dude, I'll sell it to anybody. I'm like, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. I don't want everybody who you end up on the phone with to buy. So we're not going to let you sell to anybody until your mindset switches from, I got to make this commission to, I got to find out if we can help this person. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, your green light. I'll know when it happens. Yeah. I think something, I don't remember when I started kind of moving away from like, this is a, a sale to moving towards, I'm trying to give you an experience, like forget like you buying anything. Like it doesn't matter. Like my goal is to like give you an experience. Like I want you to be like, no matter what number comes out of my mouth, be like, fuck it. I'm buying. Right. Like, and I think when you move away from that and you worry about like, what is this person's experience? Like, you know, because like what you're doing is, is a little bit different because significantly higher threshold from a price standpoint uh, than a CrossFit gym. And then, Mm -hmm. so the threshold for purchase is obviously much, much lower, right? More, more, there's a wider demographic of people that are going to buy, right? So it's just like, okay, well, if somebody comes in here, they probably, for the most part, have already made up their, their, their mind. What we may get hung up on is like 30 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. So how do I get past that? How do I get to the point where I'm like, Hey, I'm just here to give you a great experience. And whether you buy or not is of no consequence to me. I don't care because if you don't want to buy, then I don't want you in my gym. And if you want to buy it, then I'm going to crush it and you're going to be happy and you're going to stay here forever. So I think that there's, there's a small change that needs to be made to what you just described. If you need my help, you're buying. It's not about, it's not about if you don't want to buy, you haven't wanted to buy for the last 20 years, which is what got you in this situation. So now you're in the room with me. I'm going to be your coach. My first coaching lesson with you is teaching you that you need to buy this and how to buy it. Mm -hmm. So you're going to buy. I mean, we have a client of ours. Her name is Brittany. She knows all about it. Uh, The first time I talked to Brittany, she did not buy. She needed to talk to her husband. They did a bad job. The second time she called, she's like, Hey, I called you a year ago and, uh, you told me you could help me, but I ended up not working with you and I ended up needing surgery. So I got surgery. God, this sucks. She's like, can you help me now? They want to do a second surgery. I listened to her. I'm like, no, honestly, you're not a fit. My wife will tell you I lost sleep for like a week because I felt like I let this woman down and she ended up needing two surgeries because I was a poor salesperson the first time we talked. I 
busted my ass to become the best salesperson on the planet for the next month. And I'm still doing it. And the next time that she called me six months later, I pick up the phone and this woman is crying hysterically crying. She would describe it as I was ugly crying is what she would say. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, well, I don't know if you remember me. I'm like, of course I remember you. You cost me sleep for a week. And she's like, well, the doctors did surgery one and surgery two. Everything was going well. And then I went to cook one day and something just popped in my shoulder. And now I'm in terrible pain. And they say I probably need surgery three and surgery four. And if those don't work, I'll need a shoulder replacement. She's like, I've gained a lot of weight. My relationship with my husband is struggling. I can't coach at the gym I used to work at. I can't pull my pants up without pain can't cook, can't wash my hair. When I see other women put their hair up, I just want to kick them in the chest because it makes me feel so bad about myself. And I don't know what to do. Can you help me? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I honestly don't know. What I do know is I think it would be worth it to find out. Do you agree? So look, the worst case scenario here, we're not physical therapists. The worst case scenario is you end up needing surgery again. Are you open to that being the worst case scenario? She's like, yes. Okay. Then let's do it. She's like, thank you so much. It's $200 a month, right? I'm like, no. It was $200 a month a year and a half ago. The price is now $279 a month. And I can't even let you buy that. You have to buy the year up front. She's like, why? I'm like, because if you buy one month, you're not going to feel better at the end of the month and you're going to quit. We're not going to solve your problem. She's like, I need to talk to my husband about it. I was cleared to spend. I'm like, you can call him get them on the phone right now if you want, but I'm going to stay on the phone with you until you pay. If I have to drive to Rhode Island to get your credit card, I'm going to do that. And, you know, I just shortened it an hour and a half long sales conversation to have with her. She bought. And then at the end of the year, she renewed and she bought again. And she would tell anybody who asked, it was the best decision of her life because she's out of pain. She's able to hang from the bar. She's able to, do just about everything, if not everything in the gym that she was doing before. She has her life back and she's thinking ahead of things instead of being reactive to everything in her life. And all of that leads her to um, being happy that somebody sold her. Right. So yeah. That, that's what I consider I'm, like a win, right? Is like when both parties feel good about it. Yeah. You should only sell to people who are in the market for what you have. And you should always sell to people who are in the market for what you have. So that brings up a, what I think is going to be something we're going to talk about 10 years from now is the number of people. <clears throat> and first of all, I want to do, I do want to lead with, I'm not poo-pooing on online coaching or training. Mm -hmm. Not at all. I think more people than should be are pivoting to that because they now live in a world where it's mandatory and people are either the reality is like nobody's actually paying for it. They just continue paying you for their other service because this is all you can provide them now. So now people are thinking, oh, I can sell this to new clients, which is just fundamentally not true. And I think people are going to learn a hard lesson there. But you've been doing this for a while. And what are some of the core tenets of like providing, I guess, virtual training or coaching, however you want to describe it, that you think people, I think people and I've heard, literally heard this come out of people's mouths. Well, yeah, we're just going to sell people Zoom classes. And I'm like, no, you are not. That is not happening. You're fucked. <laughs> so what, what I would say to that is anyone who works with us one-on-one -on -one, as one of our staff members has already been coaching for whatever period of time. From the day that they start training to work for us, to the day that we give them their first client is about six months. Okay. So that's, that's what you're up against. If you want to go ahead and just start programming for clients online, you look at companies like training think tank, brute strength, those trainers who do the online coaching, that is what they do. It's like, if you, if you've ever seen the movie 300, mm -hmm. You know, what do you do? I'm a potter. Spartans, what do you do? Hose, hose, hose. Yep. That's what you want. Now, you can pivot to online coaching for your clients. You just need to know what you're up against. 
And you need to be prepared to set the expectations appropriately for what they're going to get. And nobody is paying you for Zoom class. People who pay you for Zoom classes are paying goodwill. They like you. They want to see you stay in business. That's my point. Yeah. But good for you. You earned it. If you're a shitty person, people stopped paying already. So Correct. good for you if you're still getting that money. Now, what are you going to do that is next level for them? Because I do believe that there's a lot of gym owners who should be offering at-home program design. and coaching. I do too. Yeah. But if, if you're not one of them, what can you do? Can you be an accountability buddy who actually has some knowledge? Can you coach nutrition? Can you do virtual personal training sessions until you're back open? Find something that you're good at and that you like and that makes you money and do that. As opposed to pivoting to what you think you're supposed to do. Yeah, and my fear with this whole thing is that A, number one, there's no systems in place, right, for people to do that. And anybody who thinks they're just going to start willy-nilly doing one-on-one programming just off the cuff has no idea what that entails. Like You didn't think it was important to do personal training in your gym. Now everyone needs their own program. I mean, I just fundamentally just miscalculating like what kind of time management that is going to require and probably additional time on top of that and people who don't understand programming. So like we've, we've missed the mark on two things already. A, there's no systems involved in me doing that. Like how much time is, needs to be allocated to one person's programming. And let me fill everybody in. It's not 20 minutes a week. Okay. And then on top of that, I'm not actually that great. That depends on what they're programming. Right. So if you're going to do full bore programming, like individualize everything. No, no, no. If you're going to do accessory programming, which I know you guys are big fans Mm -hmm. of now, the time constraint comes down a little bit, right? Because there's certain things that I know people need. I can build in templates, all that stuff, but that's not what people are pitching. No. Right. But they don't know what they're pitching. Right. So that's the whole problem. And that's kind of what I want people to really start asking themselves these questions, right? Because there's just so many people that just see this shiny thing and they're like, Zoom, you know, Peloton's doing it. I'm like, holy shit, man. Are you listening to yourself right now? (laughs) But Jason, Jason, that's the same problem that the gyms have when they're open. It's the same. It it comes from the same place. It's a lack of self-awareness and a lack of vision and a lack of a plan. And because of all those, no process. And because of no process, no unique client avatar. And because of no unique client avatar, no good marketing message. And because of no good marketing message, no way of knowing where your next client's going to come from. And because you don't know where your next client's going to come from, you want everyone who walks in the door to sign up. And because you want everyone who walks in the door to sign up, you have high churn. And because you have high churn, you're chasing new members all the time. That's how it works. The vicious cycle. Is it fair if you were to say, hey, if you're going to do online training, do you think that person, let's just say I was owning a gym and I'm like, hey, I'm going to pivot to online training. Would you, is it mandatory that I have been doing personal training prior to that? No, it's not mandatory, but you have to have, you have to stay within your ability. You know, you're going to be very general for people. Mm -hmm. You're going to be taking your best bet if that's you. But instead of telling you what not to do, let's tell you what to do. Yeah. If, if, if that's you, what I recommend you do is take your general program design and modify it for every member. And then ask them how it went. Like just check in with them every week. Mm-hmm. You take the general program design, modify it for every member and check in with them. That is a valuable service. Mm-hmm. It really is. Now, the next level up would be to totally replace part of that the first half or the second half, you know, the strength or the skill or the stamina or whatever, replace it with something that is more uniquely fit for that person. The next step would be writing the whole thing. That's, that's three different ways you can provide individualized Mm -hmm. to individualized and custom to custom. And, and you don't need to charge all that much different for one as compared to the other, you need the person who is buying it to believe that it is worth a certain price. That's Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, this is something that I want to be careful how I say this because I want it to be heard the way I mean it to be heard. To me, this speaks to the barometer that we need to hold coaches to 
before they agree. can coach. Every coach and every gym should be able to immediately pivot to one of those three things with absolutely no hesitation to know how to do it. If you're okay. coaching in a gym and the owner of the gym writes a program and you can't modify it for every single member appropriately based on the way that they move because you don't know how they move because you never assessed it because you don't know how to assess it. You are coaching incompetently. I think this is a fantastic conversation because this is, this is something that I don't have to kind of let this go. I used to let it rub me the wrong way, which was, so there's a lot of gyms who are kind of pivoting to other things, right? Like, like, just kind of changing their, like leaving the CrossFit brand for, for lack of better terms, right? Cause like they found another model that's a little sexier maybe. And generally what's done in concert with this kind of uh, brand shift is they put, we'll just call it quasi good business practices in meaning like they start mm -hmm. focusing on branding and, you know, member retention and all that stuff all. And then what they, and then their contention is, well, bec it's because I left CrossFit that I had, like that my business is doing better. I'm like, had jack shit to do with you leaving CrossFit. You should just put reasonable practices in place when you were basically running a dumpster fire before this. Right. And um, I think, and I, and what my contention is everybody across the board, we should all be getting better at running our businesses. Well, you should be getting better at running our businesses. You should be getting better assessing movement. You should be get, getting, getting better at fucking running group classes. And that's the message that I want people is like, just continue to try to get better. And a lot of these things, and if you seek out information, you seek out these conversations, you'll gradually make your way there. Like there's faster ways to get there for sure. But I think everybody just is gradually trying to move to the thing that's easier, thinking that that's the answer. I respectfully disagree with you. Which is fine. Yeah, well, that's where we learn, right? Together. So if I was across the gym right now, the first thing I would do tomorrow is take the name out. And the reason I think for that, I know why you're going to say that. Go ahead. Why? Uh, is it because the, is it because people have a fear of CrossFit or because you don't, or they don't want to be associated with the brand? It's because I want to control the narrative around what we do. And people have an expectation of what they think CrossFit does based mm -hmm. on what the average CrossFit gym does. I don't want to be the average CrossFit gym. Yeah. I don't want to be associated with the average CrossFit gym. I think that the biggest problem, and I don't want to pick on CrossFit because Glassman's not here to defend himself. There's no mm. one speaking on their behalf and it's cheap shots. The biggest problem that gyms who have the CrossFit name on them have is that there are shitty gyms that have the CrossFit name on them too. And there's no quality control. Well, so my contention to that, right, is like, and so A, I agree with you, right? Like I'm not even, I'm not even going to disagree with that. Uh, my contention is in the same breath, those CrossFit gyms are not doing anything about it. No, but, but I can't be associated with someone who's not going to do anything about it. You know, winners yeah. hate being around losers. For sure. That, that's just like, we always, you know, everyone hears you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. If you wear the name CrossFit, you're associated with them. That's, that's just how Yeah, it but I mean, like, so, but I, I can make that argument about anything. Like, that there's shitty people in every profession, regardless of what it is. And to say that I'm, that, so sure. the, only, the only other option is I have to go and create my own entirely unique brand, which I think is, to some extent, ignoring that the brand, uh, whilst there is some negative connotation to it because of gyms or because of, you know, stupid people on the internet, uh, there's a lot of positive, which is, you know, the recognition is something that you can't buy, right? So we can't ignore that. Well, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, it's easier to talk about what they do poorly than what they do well. Yeah, it's always right? easier I mean, to criticize, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, I haven't seen anything that gets people fit as well as CrossFit. It so that would be the plus, right? And like, and everybody knows yeah. that, right? So I can and, use that to my advantage, right? And when people see people on TV who do CrossFit, they're like, that guy's fit. That chick is fit. I want to look like that. And it might bring them into your gym. Mm -hmm. You have to get people coming into your gym who want to move weight. If they don't, you're not a fit for them. And the issue that people have in CrossFit, 
from what I've seen, is from the top down, despite the fact that it started off as a one-on-one training business that became mm-hmm. a one-on-one two group because of the need for the business model to evolve. Not because it was a better way to get people fit. Mm-hmm. It evolved to a group for the business model is now being preached as the best way to get people fit. It's not true. Um, I think I would disagree like only like part of the statement. Right. So I think there's a, Mm -hmm. at least that's not the way I see it. Right. I don't think that they're saying that group fitness is the best way to get people fit. Uh, I think they're saying that the methodology of CrossFit is the best way to get people fit. I wish that was the case, but I've had conversations with, you know, people on seminar staff on their podcast who either disagree or aren't allowed to agree publicly. Uh, I mean, I don't, I, I agree and disagree at the same time. I mean, I work for the company and I like, I think that gr- like for most people who are not looking for something Uber specific group classes are more than enough to get you incredibly fit. I've got a bunch of them in here and they're better. And hold on. And, and they're better because you'll come. Meaning Wait. if you won't go, if you won't go work with a one-on-one coach, if you can't pay for a one-on-one coach, oh, got you're it. not yeah, motivated yeah. by it. 100%. The group is going to be better because it's a program you're going to stick to. hundred percent. But I, in that same breath would say everybody would be better served with an individualized program for them. hundred percent. You know, so, so I, I so, do so think two, the, I do think two things the, can be true at, at the same time. I agree. They are. The question is why aren't more people then providing the individual program? Why aren't more people? I don't think they know how to do it. Why aren't they being taught? And that's right. That you just, you just landed on the problem for me. If I'm going to fly the same flag as you, you need to be able to do some of the same things I know how to do. Otherwise, when somebody drops into your place on vacation and then they think about, then they move to my area. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. It's not for me. That's the problem. That's the problem. I also don't think that people want to scale. No one's like, oh, cool. So you can dumb it down for me. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Um, I think... No, I would agree with you. I also think there's the other end of the spectrum where there's people who are petrified that the person who's teaching them doesn't know how to scale oh, for them. And they're right in a lot of cases. Well, yes, yeah, so we could agree there 100%. But, but, so, but so I, I could tell you nobody, nobody in my gym comes in here and is at all worried about what they're going to get dialed up. You I know, believe if, that. If there's 25 people in the class, there's probably 25 variations of that workout going on. And I believe that. And so to me, you're leaving impact and income on the table by not making that a part of your process clearly identifiable, clearly uh, explainable and communicated so that the people who join understand this is not a traditional CrossFit gym. This is not 100%, which is, which is goes back to what I was saying earlier about some of the things that I've been fixing in this time frame, because I think you would agree, but I don't know. That's way harder to fix retroactively, at least in my experience opinion but i'm more but i'm more willing to be proven wrong than it is to integrate people with that on the front end and now they don't know any better you're a hundred percent right okay at least from my experience well yeah well i didn't know like i i I could be wrong but like i've tried to do it and people know what they know and as soon as i try to change that belief they're like fuck you i'm not i don't yeah i I would i would love to chat with you another time just because i have another call coming up about what i think what i think you could do to systematically build that process in, in a way that people adopt it as opposed to having it forced down their throat, because that's what we do until COVID. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would love to show you how I think you could do that because I think I, that you're leaving a lot of money, a lot of impact on your members, a lot of new members joining the gym, a lot of old members reactivating because there isn't a clear process in place to do that. No, no. And I would agree with you, which is one of the chinks in the armor, which makes me vulnerable, right? Like that's an underlying condition that I have. And it's one of those things that I personally have struggled with over the years is I've got a skill set, I'm good at it, and I'm not really entirely sure how to leverage it in order to Mm -hmm. create impact, create more opportunity for coaches and all of those things. And I think there's a lot of people like that 
And a lot of people are making the wrong decision, I think. And they're just like, I'm going to do online shit. And I'm like, no, no, get better at what you do, right? Like learn programming. Like if you don't understand programming, then you need to fucking learn. I think most, this could take another hour to discuss and then I have three minutes to discuss it. But I think that the problem is most coaches are just constantly trying to be better coaches and they're good enough coaches. They need to learn how to be better salespeople. They need to learn how to be better at marketing. 100%. Communicating. Yes. They're learning how to be in a relationship. That's the stuff that they need to be working on right now. And for those coaches out there who don't have the requisite skills to be a coach, apprentice, you don't deserve to get paid for class just because you're a warm body in the room. Learn, learn, I would agree. get good, then go. And I don't care what certifications you have, by the way. None. No, it doesn't matter. Like none of that's relevant. It's just paper. Yep. Uh, well, damn, I feel like we got to the good shit at the end. So we will definitely have to do a follow-up round on this. Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah round, let's do it round, round four. Uh, I know you're busy, so I do want to get off, but I do think we covered some good stuff, but I do think we just got to the thing, the, the things that I think are actually really, really relevant moving forward here, like in the last 20 minutes. I would love to follow up on that. Um, and honestly, just probably chat offline and wrap with you about some other stuff just because I, I like what you're doing. I think it's good stuff. And I think there's a lot of people that could get tremendous amount of value simply from going through some mental exercises about some of the things that we talked about. Happy to do it with you. Awesome, brother. Well, listen, uh, we will have you on for round four. I appreciate your time. And uh, guys, if you guys have any questions, hit up Dr. Sean. Again, Active Life. Um, listen, they do a lot of good stuff. Follow them on Instagram. I follow them. Good stuff. Hit them up. Ask them questions. Thank you, Jason. Yes, sir. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself. Hit us up, day at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at besthouroftheirday. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting Best Hour of Their Day.